All right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. We are going to be covering one verse today, verse 4. But before we get into it, let us pray our Matthew prayer together. And it should, it's on your song sheet if you don't know it. And then we'll, we'll get into it. Our Father, we thank you for this wise picture of Christ's life. Please reveal it to us deeply through your Holy Spirit. Teach us to listen well, learn well, and live out that knowledge. Renew our sight, refresh our hearts, and grant our desire to seek and follow you. Jesus, help us live our lives for you. Amen. Okay, here's today's verse. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We're on the second beatitude that is spoken to us by Jesus about the kingdom of God, the kingdom that he is king of, and he is teaching us how to live differently because it's different than any other kingdom earth has ever seen. And just as a reminder, and I think that we need to do this throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount, but the Sermon on the Mount starts in Matthew chapter 5, verse Three with blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and it goes all the way through Matthew chapter 7 it's one sermon and we are just taking a look at either each phrase or each thought of this sermon as we get to re- but we get to be reminded that it is one sermon it is part of one text it is part of uh, it is part of what Jesus was laying out for his kingdom as he was inaugurated as king and so it's a beautiful thing but it's also one of the most difficult sayings or some of the most difficult sayings of Jesus are in this section of scripture. It's one of the most, this is one of the most challenging sermon series that I've ever had. And that's why we're going to take it slow each day. Like we're blessed are the poor in spirit. I've meditated on that for a month and we're in blessed are those who mourn. And I'm still thinking about blessed are the meek. And I'm, so I'm, I'm going through these and I'm really kind of digging down deep and seeing what God would have for us. These are difficult words. And we need these words of Jesus because they're Jesus' words to sink into our lives. Because we don't just get to be believers of Jesus' word. We get to be doers, not just hearers only, right? And this is a sermon of Jesus. He challenges the way that we think and the way that the world acts. Personally, as we start this second beatitude, I don't know if I've ever been more challenged by Scripture. Commentaries sometimes are helpful, and I look at a lot of them. They're useful for understanding what the Scriptures are saying, but they're not always helpful and useful for living out the Scriptures in our lives, or even maybe applying it to a congregation such as ours. Today, as we look at, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This could mean, you could take it to mean, that we should always be sad. That we should always mourn and we should just grieve our brokenness at at everything that we see in the world and all the destruction. And yet that isn't lining up with God's kingdom. Because there's a lot that Jesus says and a lot that Scripture says. and, And if all we do is mourn um, and be sad, I don't 
honestly want to do that. I want some of the other things that Jesus has promised, like peace and joy, those types of things. I want to, I want to take like the scriptures, like in Colossians three, one through uh, one through four, and apply that to my life as well. It says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden in. Christ with God, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And since both these scriptures are true, we get to obey them both. And it's hard sometimes, though, to reconcile this teaching of Jesus with that teaching of Paul in Colossians. Sadness and grieving is never the goal. It's even though blessed are those who mourn, That's not the goal that we are searching for. The reality of what Jesus is saying is true, however. That um, if, if we never mourn, then you know what happens? We can never be comforted. If nothing is ever wrong, then why do you have need to be comforted? If we want to be comforted by Jesus, then we get to realize that things aren't as they should be. And we get to see it, and we get to weep, And we get to be comforted now in hope that Jesus will make all things right. And one day in the arms and in the light of our Savior's face. We experience so many times in life, and this is is life, this is the whole life. We experience mourning alongside joy, hope, peace, faith, love. These emotions can happen one right after another or even be conflicted within us at the same time. As we get to, as Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We get to see all that is wrong and still have joy and hope, that doesn't, but that doesn't discount or move away from or get over the sadness and mourning. For now, until we see Jesus face to face, they are mixed. And one day we will see him face to face. One day every tear he will wipe away from our eyes. But for now, we simply have to receive this in faith. We need to receive this with hope that this will be one day true. But even now, we believe that Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins. And he defeated all that is and all that ever will be wrong with this world. We believe as Christians that Jesus has defeated sin and all sin's effects. And he has also defeated death and its seeming finality. In faith, Jesus is the victory over all of this. All of this. And as we see the effects of sin and death, he offers us comfort in faith that it will finally one day all be set right. And we don't have to live like it is all, all right right now, in the here and now. It's clear that it is not that all right in the here and now. And we mourn the fact that it is not all right. It is not on earth as it is in heaven. And we've been praying that as Christians for over 2,000 years. And I think that this scripture suggests that we don't pretend that it is heaven on earth right now either. But we do hold on to the fact that it will not always be like this. So what is it that we mourn over? What is it that we mourn over? We know that we weep with those who weep 
But what else? Right? We can start with the sin inside of us. Each and every one of us, those lingering effects of sin that Jesus has cleansed us from, but until we see him face to face, we still have them. Those areas in our lives, when we read the scriptures, that we get convicted, the areas that we don't like, but we still do them. We can mourn over the fact that Jesus had to die for all of it, all the things that we've ever done wrong. We are not yet as perfect as we'd like to be. We do things we shouldn't, amen? And we don't do things that we should. We like and, and follow certain, script, certain sections of scriptures. However, you know what else we do? Dismiss others. We are perfect in Christ's eyes because of the work of his cross for us. But no one in our life, if they really know us, would ever think that we're as perfect as Jesus thinks we are. And we can mourn over that. We can mourn over the brokenness that this sin causes and the destruction, brokenness in relationships, brokenness with ourselves and with others and with creation and with God. We are not as whole and holy as we'd like to be. Amen? Like we want to grow in Christ-likeness. I personally, I mourn and grieve the fact that I have far more anger than than I want. I can't stand the fact that it seems to linger in my life, and I can't stand the fact that I know it causes harm. I can't stand the fact that my anger can bubble up at any moment, and even without my recognition, my tone shifts, my attitude shifts, and I can't stand the fact that I have to apologize for the same thing over and over and over again can't stand the fact that I can't constantly have to keep praying for it and giving it over to God. I am grieved that this anger steals my joy and the joys of those around me, and it doesn't bring life. It brings death and destruction. Anger isn't the only sin in my life but I, that I don't like or that does destruction. It's just an example of what I get to mourn in my life. It might be different for you. It very well could be. But whatever it is, we get to grieve and mourn over sin and its negative impact in our lives and in the lives of those around us. We don't like it and we want it gone. Jesus, will you please do this? There are times when we can feel confused as to why it's still there. Whatever that sin is that's lingering. I'd be lying to say I never cried over my anger. I get righteous indignation over my unrighteous anger. I don't like it. I hate the fact that this is there. I cry and I weep and I can't stand it. And I'm not looking forward to also being reminded of it when my kids are in their 20s and 30s and they're trying to work things out and they will remember my anger. And yet, I know in my heart, I never intended to cause pain. But it's there and it'll be talked about and I'll have to admit it to them. And even though my heart is to be a good father, I simply miss the mark. And I mourn over that. One of the things I've seen church folks do from time to time, actually quite frequently, is ignoring is the ignoring of things that should make us mourn. They use scripture verses to rise above any problem or sin that they see. Folks can seem to soar above it all and have no pain or suffering. While some other Christians I know, it seems like pain and suffering are all they ever go through. 
They can choose, some people can choose to sit beside still waters rather than walk through the valley of shadow of death. And it's almost like God's sovereignty is an airplane over the valleys. But the reality of sin in our own life and the reality of sin in this world should lead us to mourning rather than ignorance or glossing over these things. When we gloss over them or put Bible verses to them that is not helpful and is often often extremely insensitive to those who are mourning, the very people we get to mourn with, how many of us, I'm going to raise our hands, how many of us have had someone quote Romans 8.28 when we're going through a hard time? Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good of those who are called according to his purpose. Right? That's because I'm your dad. So not, not you is right. So even if this scripture is true, it is true eternally. I would say amen to Romans 8.28. But oftentimes when we're going through the hard times, it's true. But there is no timeline given for when this is going to happen. So even if this is true, in, in a moment, we might pray this in moments of Scripture with them as we weep with those who weep. How long, O oh Lord? How long? When is the timeline going to take place? And then crying with them would be more biblical than just telling them to get over it because God's working all things out. And if we are to believe Matthew 5, verse 4, that blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, then we weep with them and trust that the Holy Spirit will comfort them in his own time and in his own way. If, if, if not right now, if not right now in this present moment, the, the long arch of God is love. He always comes back to it. Even when we're in dry places, we can trust that he is moving and he is working. And even though we can't see how he's working all things out that are good, we can trust that he will. And it's not our job to make sure that everyone is comforted. It's our job to be empathetic and be with them. It's our job to be with them and allow the emotions that God allows. And by the way, if you've ever read Job or you've ever read Psalms, God allows a lot of emotions. Actually, I like the way um, uh, it was either Bono or Eugene Peterson put it, that the Psalms are teaching us to swear without swearing before God, to lift up our, our emotions and just let God have it. That's all throughout Scripture because... Sadness is a reality in our world and our lives. Another thing that we get to mourn over is not just personal sin, but systemic sin. And systemic sin is not connected to one political party or one country or one ideology that happens to be different than yours. It is in those things, but it it may be also in your system that you like as well. And we have to be humble about that. We can mourn the fact that our prayer of on earth as it is in heaven has not yet been answered. Not just for us, but for everywhere. Christians have been praying this for over 2,000 years, and it has yet to be answered in the whole world. It's happened in pockets. We've seen glimpses of it. We've seen just enough to know and keep and maintain hope and trust and faith that God will one day do it. But there is still a massive lack of justice. There is still in our world a massive lack of kindness. There's a massive lack of peace. And there's a gaping hole that God's 
only God's love can fill in this world. That is the reality of God's kingdom. In a sense, our world is waiting like the Israelites when they were slaves in Egypt. We're crying out, how long, oh God? God, please come, come back, save us, rescue us, deliver us, lead us out of this slavery, this pain, this suffering, and bring us into your promised land once and for all. We as Christians long for the return of Jesus and we mourn the fact that it hasn't happened yet. This world and its power structures do not care about Jesus and his kingdom. They fight against the narrative that Jesus would love to weave into this world. If we watch or read the news, we can cry out when we do it, How long, O Lord? When will you return and make all of this right, let alone the stuff that we have in our own lives? Every time there is a mass shooting, what does our heart say? How long, O Lord? Don't you see this? Please arise and do something about it. Every time I think about a student on Casino Road going hungry for the weekend, how long, O Lord? Why does this have to happen, Lord? Why is it that wicked are prospering and this righteous little child is going hungry? Or there's been a lot of talk about wars and rumors of wars lately. And every war an act of aggression towards the weak and powerless, you know what we get to do? We get to mourn. And we get to say, how long, O Lord? When will this all end? When will you come back? Please come back. I believe that mourning helps us keep our eyes open. We cannot ignore what's going on in our city. Well, let's start even sooner. In ourselves, in our family, in our city in our country, our state. And now the way that the news works, we can't ignore what's going on in this world. But we are almost forced, we're forced at every single turn to see that things are not right. And in that, we mourn and we cry out with Scripture. Amos 5.24 says, Let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. O Lord, please. Let your justice roll down and destroy evil once and for all. We can't ignore the fact that we should mourn sin both in us and in the world and all its effects, all the brokenness and division it causes, all the wars and the death, all the disease and sickness that it's brought into this world and all the pain and abuse that we hear of. All of it on an individual and large scales should have us mourning. We should mourn that not everyone will accept the love of God that is so great. We should mourn the fact that we don't understand this love or live into it in a deep, deep way. I will never stop speaking about God's love for us and its greatness because, you know what? I need to hear it. I need to be reminded of it. And because I think too many times it feels like an impossible thing to believe that there's this God who loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you, but not only you, but for the sins of the world. Not to bring condemnation, but to bring his love. God's love for us is so great that Jesus dealt with the sin and its effects in our lives and in this world. Seeing, being able to see all the brokenness in this world and then mourning it 
will allow for joy. If we are never sad, then we never need to be cheered up. If we never mourn, we don't need to be comforted. One reason why I love praying the Psalms is because I get to pray that the wicked will not succeed. Even if I see them succeed, I get to still pray and know that God is going to answer that prayer without question. I even get to pray that I might rejoice at their destruction. But I also get to pray one of my favorite prayers, Psalm 26, 5 and 6. It says this, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. There is a comfort that can only come from knowing mourning. Even when the mourning is great, even in the hard times, in the desert places, beauty can be seen along the way. Beauty that gives us hope. Moments of mourning that can cause great moments of hope and faith and love. It's a hard thing to reconcile, but it's true. Talk to too many Christians, not too many, but a lot of Christians who they've come out of a hard season and now they're not in a hard season and they miss the hard season because they felt close to Jesus in those moments. One, of the, one way that I think about this is through Jesus. Because in Jesus, from death comes life. Jesus' death for us gives us the ability to live for him. From his death comes our life. It doesn't have to make total sense for it to be true. We've seen so far that blessed are the poor in spirit. And now we see blessed are those who mourn. If we know we are poor then we know we have need. If we mourn, we know that things are broken and we know that we need to be comforted. In our need, we absolutely need Jesus. Even in our comfort, we need Jesus to be the one to comfort us. He's the most comforting for us. We need Jesus. We cannot live in this kingdom of heaven without our King Jesus. We need our King each and every moment and each and every day. The Beatitudes are revealing for us our need for Jesus in every single area of our life. These words of Jesus are trying to strengthen our faith. These words of Jesus are trying to grow our faith and stretch it to uncomfortable places, but at the same time, comfort us. These words of Jesus and these sayings of Jesus are growing our hope as well. And they're even deepening our love. So if we have faith, hope, and love, and place them all in Jesus, then this is a good thing. And that's when we get to live this blessed life that is talked about by Jesus. So this is what I pray. Let us mourn so that we may be comforted. Let us know that we are weak, so that we can find our strength in Christ. Let us mourn the fact that we're not as like him as we'd like to be. We don't know the timeline of when God's going to work everything out. So we can mourn until it comes, and we will be comforted when we see him face to face. Then Jesus, please return soon. In Jesus' name, amen.